This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, September 24th, 2022. Dornall, how was your week? Hello. My week has been mixed. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the bad. Uh, starting with last... Mondays? Sorry? Too many Mondays this week, Seth? Too many Mondays this week. No, I had extra Fridays this week, but not for a good reason. Uh, the Starting last weekend, um, we because of the wildfires in eastern Washington, uh, we had nonstop smoke for like three or four days straight. My allergies are killing me, um, and so I missed a bit of work. I've been pretty miserable. You may be able to hear it in my voice. Uh, that's the bad. Been pretty cranky. Uh, but hey, I'm here for the show. Um, what's good? First of all, uh, chats here. What's up, Bradford? Video Mirador, Joshua Shaw, Simon Hallgood, how you doing? Jeff Rowe, where the Loch Nahr at? I have no idea what that means, but let's go. Ardenon, good to see you're back and alive. Um, uh, we got, uh, DW's got awesome stuff to talk about today. We were just telling me in the green room. As for me, um, if you guys are, are on YouTube, for you checking this out later, um, I encourage you to go to the Joy of Wargaming channel. All of the crazy D&D stuff that's been going on and um, my free time has largely been taken up. I, 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 have, to, I have to interrupt. My, my free time has also been taken up by um, brand new kittens. Uh, I, it's, I, it's been too long without an animal in the house, so... Um, I've got uh, my girlfriend uh, upstairs enjoying our, our two new kittens, so that's nice. Uh, the rest of my free time, besides uh, preparing the house and taking care of new pets, is D&D. Because Brovenloft, it's not even October, Brovenloft is in full swing. And uh, we've got session play, multiple PC groups are in, in Bro. I'm not even the, the Game Master, but I've got, what, two or three? I think two PCs now, two or three PCs in Brovenloft doing things. This isn't always on game, so it's we're constantly messaging uh, the game masters, making sure that you know your characters are uh, keeping busy in between resting, and uh, and all of the big players in the event are uh, making moves behind the scenes even before the game officially starts. Everybody's jockeying for the best starting position. Um, spying, skullduggery, everything uh, is going on. Um, it's glorious. Uh, so that's really good. And hence the motto, which is, uh, you know, three campaigns, because there's three campaigns involved. Two months, September and October, uh, one event. Brovenloft. And Brovenloft itself is now part of a, uh, one of the campaigns has a giant cosmic event going on where um, this, uh, I just head over to John Mollison's channel. I got the link in the show notes. Joy of Wargaming from September 21st is introduction to the fate of Stormbringer. Uh, there's a cosmic battle for an artifact sword that uh, it was tossed 
into the sun. And if it reaches the core of the sun, uh, it will uh, wreak havoc on the entire uh, universe. Um, so, effect, uh, effectively slaying the god of the sun, at least for a time, because gods. So back in the day, in the early days of the Trollopolis campaign, one of the PCs or one of the patrons was Elric of Melnibone, right out of uh, the first printing of Deities and Demigods. And Elric thought he was big and bad and went and visited the Caveman Federation, which is a bunch of caveman caves who were unified by another patron. And, and you're beginning to get a sense of how bonkers Trilopolis campaign truly is as I say these words. But Elric, <laughs> but Elric made a mistake and he got to... Uh, he got to these cavemen and demand and was actually trying to make a domestic uh, diplomatic overtures, but uh, he made a mistake in his di diplomacy. He was trying to impress them with how awesome he is by making lightning come down from the sky, but they took it as a as a threat, and so they came swarming out and murdered his army and murdered him and left uh, his sword, uh, Soulbringer. Yeah. Or lying soul. there on the ground. Stormbringer. So a PC wizard took Soulbringer and threw it into the shallow lake by his lair. And there it just lay for a couple of years of the campaign. And nobody cared. Nobody came for it. No adventurers thought about it. Everybody just let it lie there because it wasn't doing any harm there. <laughs> <laughs> Stormbringer, isn't that what I said? Stormbringer. Yeah, we said Soulbringer, but it's it's also oh. known as the it drinks souls, so it's got Stormbringer. You're you're thinking of of its awesome power to uh, do horrible things to things. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and so, and yeah, go I'm, ahead. I'm not nearly done. <laughs> oh, okay. So for some reason, and I think having to do with minus man or with the uh, macho Mandolf, uh, we hauled the sword out of the lake and we're taking it back to minus Mandolf when there was this other mountain. So now we take up the thread of the story uh, elsewhere. And this mountain had an evil sorceress who owned it and was in charge of it, who wanted to spread her evil across the land. And one day she ran into uh, Macho Mandolf himself, who leapt from a thark skiff. And uh, and that's kind of a boat flying in the air, you know, like in uh, the third Star Wars movie or in John Carter of Mars by Disney. Um, and the Tharks are the big green guys with the, you know, forearms. Uh, and he had managed to capture this skiff because they live in the north of Trilopolis. Once again, bonkers. If you don't know how bonkers Trilopolis is, I'm hoping this gives you 
some kind of idea. He leapt from this dark skiff, and I wish I remembered the name of this WWE uh, maneuver, but it's where you fall with your elbow right on top of your enemy. I think he fell like 30 feet right on top of this uh, sorceress and obliterated her. So the sorceress was on the verge later, years later, was on the verge, flying elbow drop. Thank you, Jeffro. Flying elbow drop obliterated her. Well, it turns out she came back later, and uh, a PC party was sent in in the middle, in the aftermath of a great battle, and they had gone into this caves and had almost killed her, but this same druid, this same druid who had taken Stormbringer and threw it in the lake had gotten charmed by this sorceress who had apparently returned from the dead. And then he helped her charm the entire PC party who just wreaked havoc on this huge battle. And so all of our PCs from this party, like six PCs, had gotten charmed. And we were taken away, and guess what he told her about? Almost first thing. That's right. He told her about the, like, 40,000 gold pieces and treasure we managed to accumulate from the treasure from this hall. But... Um, he also told her about Stormbringer, which is really further down on my list of things I cared about. The treasure was really important stuff. Stormbringer was just kind of this thing that's been hanging around that I heard about and I didn't really care about. But apparently it has massive world-ending power. So she went to the pond and got Stormbringer. So then she marched on Minus Mandolf and was going to destroy Minus Mandolf and wipe it out and destroy Macho Mandolf himself. And then somebody, somebody's brave PC who had cagely four weeks before hidden part of the party's riches and treasure by casually asking questions that nobody understood at the time that annoyed the i'm i'm getting to that i'm getting to that everything in its proper place we didn't know that at this time so it's not the proper place to tell that part i'm a storyteller everything in its time um sorry jeff was just interrupting with Pieces of the story that aren't going to come until just in a, in a couple of minutes. So, somebody's PC 
who annoyed the game master by making some requests, casual requests to fellow players uh, and hiding some of the party's vast treasure at appropriate times, uh, innocuously just saying these things at the right times to get the game master to notice them and then not mentioning them ever again. Uh, and then who casually made the right decisions seemingly out of the blue. This player who we can't remember, but his initials rhyme with Daddy Warpig. Um, hmm. At the right time, he fled because he got freed of the charm. Because this same player casually mentioned to the game master, hey, Stormbringer was used to make an attack on a brand new PC who bravely attacked. And I'm not kidding. This is not my PC. Um, I believe this was Elf Finder's brand new barbarian who attacked the sorceress by throwing his axe as soon as he found out she was evil. And then she stepped forward and cleaved him in two with Stormbringer, killing him instantly. So he literally had brand new character showed up on screen for literally like less than a minute. Um, and then she killed him. But when you kill somebody with Stormbringer, you have this effect where it makes an automatic fear attack on everybody around you and you can't help it you can't stop it you can't you know purge it or slow it down so when that happens i asked hey does that count as an attack against people who are charmed which gives them a new save Against the charm effect. And the game master there said, Yes, I'll rule that does. And uh, two of us, two player characters, managed to break away from the charm. And because we were already fleeing, because we failed our fear saving throws, we just kept on fleeing. Um, and we got away, um, and then we got horses, uh, through some more complications, but it basically involved my character murdering one of the cavemen who were innocent bystanders, sort of, they were charmed by the sorceress and the game master was like, you're just going to kill him. And I'm like. Hell yeah! So I got my treasure, and uh, we got away, we rode, and we had some rules for escaping, and the odds were against us. It was a miracle we escaped, but the dice went our way. Miraculously escaped. We miraculously avoided this party, the sorceress and her party, who were making their way back to Minus Mandolf. We miraculously got back to Minus Mandolf, and I miraculously had enough treasure to ensure that everyone uh, who escaped and got back 
got a healthy dose of treasure and enough XP for me to level because I had been waiting to level for like three adventuring sessions. And so we all got together, we all went out and I bravely went uh, leveling and I took a backup character on the next one, which is we went out and stopped the sorceress from invading minus Mandolf. And that's when we discovered it wasn't the sorceress. It wasn't her. All this stuff was a demon, type five demon, aka Merilith, you know, the, the one that looks kind of like a Naga. She has multiple arms, and her main strength, she was impersonating with a, an illusion, the sorceress. It was never the sorceress. The sorceress was dead back when Macho Mandolf used the flying elbow drop. And they threw together this army and sent them out to kill this sorceress, which stopped Jeffro's plans for like the second time. He had been setting up through his patron in Trilopolis these elaborate evil plans. The first plan was the army. Back at the battle I mentioned previously, and it was stopped by the PC parties, by the PC party. Uh, again, against the odds. The second plan was this Merilith and her uh, invincible army that would have ran over the city and wiped it out. And that was stopped by a freaky PC winning against the odds. And then there was another plan that came later, and that was stopped, again, against the odds. Um, and it was just incredible. Uh, but what happened was, during this battle, or during the fight against the sorcerer, she gets killed, and there it is, on the ground, Stormbringer. And so one of the PCs, who is a quote-unquote scout, which is a really an assassin, but it's what we call assassins when we have lawful good characters around, uh, said, I grabbed Stormbringer. Was the, uh, maybe not the exact phrase, but it sure was the approximate phrase. And then there was a cabinet, and I'm not real sure how this, came into play because uh, I wasn't privy to that side of things. But it was lying on the ground, and they were going to throw Stormbringer into this cabinet because this cabinet sends you to a random um, a random plane or a place or a campaign. And I got to tell this joke because I got to get my own back. And like I tell people, you know I'm going to call back to this later. When this happens again, when you guys don't remember this, I'm going to remind you of this later. So I say, literally this happened, I say you should send him to B-Dub's campaign because I was feeling kind of mean. And nobody noticed it. Nobody paid attention to me. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And then Jeffro says like five, eight minutes later, you should send him to B-Dub's campaign. And everybody breaks out laughing. 
everybody laughs for like three minutes. They think it's the funniest thing in the world. They're all clapping. People are holding candlelit marches. People are, you know, they're naming their firstborn sons after Jethro. Beautiful women are coming on screen to our campaign and fainting, fainting at the very mention of his name. I think we were getting presidential pardons for for murderers on death row in Jeffro's name just because he made this joke. And I'm just sitting here saying in my mind, because I didn't say this out loud, because this is not going to do any good at this point. I'm just thinking, I made that joke five minutes ago. Nobody was paying attention. <laughs> so... So I finally get my revenge by saying it now in a clearly an incredibly petty move to use my platform on my show to get my my own back. But yes, I make that joke first and then I'm doing a small and petty thing by saying that now. Not that anybody will believe me now or anybody remembers that moment or cares, but it's the truth. Um. So, sorry, I just had to be petty for a moment. I get to be petty on this show. I've never been petty on a show before. <clears throat> that um, was, I mean, that was up there. That's, that was, I, 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 I didn't want to say nothing, but, but you, you brought it out. You, you pointed at it. I'm like, he's, he's, he's taking one of the most Titanic episodes in RPG history, according to Jeff Rowe. And he's, he's being petty. This is good. This is a classic. Well, is this classic war pig or is this a new war pig? No, I've been literally, we're almost at 300 episodes. I've never been petty, not even once. <laughs> this is, we were, we were talking about this, just to, just to digress for a moment. We were talking about this. Playing online is hard. It sucks because um, it, it, on top of the fact that only one person can really be talking at a time, you know, there's technical problems. Um, and, and frankly, we're lucky that Warpig's audio uh, works during the show as well as it does because uh why sorry war pig when we're playing in session we only hear about 50 percent of what you say don't uh, it happens it happens um but here we get to for for me now that was a titanic moment uh, as jeffro said really fun stuff i only watched it unfold on twitter really entertaining um but now we get to oh the, wait the, with the current part what one last moment one last yeah. moment and the story is done. Because right. we left off that the, the cabinet that sends you to all these places. And Jeffro says, to universal acclaim, Nobel, Nobel nomination. Jeffro got it. A Nobel nomination for this. You should send him to B-Dub's campaign. So Charles Manson, who is the player character, who is Charles Manson with a chaos symbol from Warhammer 40K branded on his head instead of a swastika. Bonkers, okay? If you don't understand the Trollopolis campaign, by the end of this story, you will never understand the Trollopolis campaign. We literally have Tharks from John Carter of Mars in the north of our D&D &D campaign, okay? 
We have nuclear weapons going off over cities. Okay. Charles Manson grabs Stormbringer before anybody else can. They were going to throw Stormbringer just in this wooden chest. But instead, Charles Manson grabs it. And before they kill him, they're about to kill him. He says, stop. Let me go into the chest with the sword and you don't have to worry about it. So everybody goes, yes, that's fine. Go into the chest with the sword so you leave this world forever with Stormbringer so it's not a problem. We'll let you live. So he dives into the chest with Stormbringer right there, and the PC disappears from the campaign with Stormbringer. And Brian, to universal acclaim, sends him to B-Dub's campaign. <laughs> And now you can tell your story. Sorry. This is this, this is where we're at today. Um, there is another big clash in B-Dub's oh, he, he He went on adventures and did stuff. He actually played in B-Dub's campaign. B-Dub's had Stormbringer show up in the middle of his campaign. <laughs> He's running an axe campaign, and he has an AD&D assassin show up and has to deal with this. We just took a big nuclear dump in the middle of his game. <laughs> and, there, and there was no reason. Um, there's no reason he had to accept that, right? He, they just – that these guys, they love this stuff. They love this crazy stuff. And when the DM of one game says, hey, uh, so this happened, and I know that you're aware of the happenings, uh, but this is how it, it ended up. Actually, uh, the one guy grabbed Stormbringer and left into a portal, and now he's in your world. And uh, and the and B-Dubs could have said right there, yeah, says you. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, yeah, Jeffro. B-Dubs, yeah, says you, okay, whatever, right? And just ignore Jeffro because, I mean, uh, let's be honest. Uh, there's there's only two types of people in this world: people who uh, like Jeffro and people who haven't blocked. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it, so it's like, yeah, of course he's he's he accepted it. He brought him in. He let that happen. To to cut a long story short, the the crazy evil artifact sword is there in the game. And the assassin showed up at a big battle. It was like Battle of the Five Army style. We had all the patrons of various high-level characters at once. They were all invading the Frog Kingdom because they had tired of his awful uh, Twitter posts. And they just wanted to knock him out. And so it was this massive battle. And uh, the good guys were victorious. And Charles Manson was actually fighting for the... I don't remember which army he was fighting for it doesn't matter he didn't survive and one of the patrons is playing honest to god aliens with a legit spaceship when they were like what do we do with stormbringer now that charles manson's dead he says i'll i'll take it i'll take it out into space i'll cast it into the sun and everybody's like yeah that's great destroy it forever like what's better than throwing it into the sun well um 
I'll let you head over to the Joy of War Gaming's channel for uh, a better description than mine. But a long story, long story short, people realize, or the the sun god, you know, this being a fantasy world, the sun god sees this happening and sends its armies out to stop it from getting to the center of the sun because it would kill him. And the uh, forces of chaos in B Dub's game also marshaled their forces, and so now there are two celestial armies and in freefall in freefall blib dual ploop blib dual ploop is a general i don't, I don't think they're the that's the leader oh okay yeah that's uh, some some jackass sent blib dual ploop towards in as part of the army just to make mr wargaming say it every thing <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, two celestial armies, you know, one one the forces that. of law and good, the other the forces of chaos and evil. They're in decaying orbit around the sun. They're basically armies flying around in a free fall towards the center of the sun. The armies of the sun are attempting to claim the sword and, for their own, take it off the battlefield so that they can prevent it from falling into the sun. And they're going to do something with it. And the forces of evil either have to stall the forces of good long enough or carry the sword into the center of the sun because they want the sun to die. <laughs> Absolutely uh, amazing. And uh, yes, the, um, uh, the gods they're using in uh, – they're using gods from uh, Earth history. Our earth mythology so the sun god is Ra, and uh, the god of chaos is hades effectively uh, i think he's calling him bell or ball so yes god of evil versus god of the sun and uh they're fighting over it uh mr wargaming john mollison love this guy's channel good friend of the show um he's he'll he's got another introduction Check out his series. He's playing this war game in real time. Each turn of the game takes a day as they're all hurtling towards the center of the sun. And the the result of that battle is if, if Ra wins, if the forces of law and good win, that evil sword is going to end up in Robinloft. And it's scheduled to finish. It's scheduled to be completed about halfway through October. So there's a couple of things happening here. Uh, this, this, <laughs> well, I cannot, I cannot do this justice, Jeffro. That, as Daddy Warpig illustrated in his story, this chain of events was a result of a few things. The chief thing is. All the players involved made it happen organically through their decisions. That uh, you heard his description of the battle with the sorceress and what happened to Stormbringer and how the demon charmed the party and, and got its hands on Stormbringer and, and so on and so forth. And, and you heard that how it was all player decisions all the way. This wasn't some dungeon master forcing a story uh this is a, a dungeon master's evil wizard maybe behind the scenes causing things to happen but 
Um, and then the cooperation of the other game master. When Jeffer goes up to B-Dubs and says, hey, uh, by the way, I just sent a, an assassin with Stormbringer into your game. And a, a, a regular, a, like a fifth edition storyteller game master might say, hmm, you'll ruin my precious narrative. Afraid not, my friend. <clears throat> um, <laughs> that's, Jeffro's only allowed to get petty on this show. He attempted to meme the destruction of Dub's campaign into existence out of jealousy for his deft gaming skills. Um, <laughs> what are you going to do? Just send evil swords to his, uh, to his domain. And then, uh, speaking of memed into existence, the whole battle, the celestial battle was memed into existence. Because I think most people assumed, yeah, throw the sword into the sun, it's fine. And someone said, yeah, but what if it killed the sun instead? Uh, and this whole scenario it came about. Uh, there's lots of things. Uh, you know, we love we love the Brosar. Uh, we've been playing by it. Uh, I think you know the way I see it, the way they have embraced player autonomy and the one-to-one -one timekeeping of strict time records, um, as uh, demanded by uh, Gygax in the Dungeon Master's Guide organically naturally produces amazing scenarios like this and if, if you want to use a thought experiment if you think a pro wrestler wizard dropping an elbow on a sorceress is too far-fetched for your game just think about that what what if this what if it was a bunch of more serious players you know what what if it was more to your taste you know what if it's your friends hanging out Take away the silliness. Take away the the wrestling and everything. Uh, you know the 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 Twitter shit talk and everything. These rules and the approach that we are taking to the game organically create these scenarios without needing fancy storytelling rules, narrative mechanics, or the genius storyteller DM. You don't need a Matthew Mercer coming up with this, you know, he's got this beautiful world and great backstory and everything like that. Uh, no, just let it happen. Just let it happen. Um, but anyway, that's how I feel about it. I think it's great. Uh, I think uh, anybody who, who even obliquely plays attention to this stuff can see, you know, we, we've got the receipts. We, we show the results. Um, and for every, anybody listening, uh, go check out that war game. In fact, if you're listening later and a few more days have gone by, you can probably just binge. They're like, each turn takes like 10 minutes uh, of, it's like a 10 minute video. So go catch up on the war, enjoy the excitement. And if you're looking for, if you're looking for some you know, crazy gonzo action, start up your own bro SR game, message these guys. Uh, we've had, there's at least two other campaign worlds involved uh the b-dubs called dubs are on Trilopolis, those are the big ones right red frontier there's another one running a game right they're just just start up your game and if you if you want to link up with this absolute man that's just be aware that someone's going to drop a, an assassin with a evil artifact sword and destroy your game i'm done joy war gaming hey. check it out Trilopolis, check it out bro sr on twitter check it out daddy war pig we are halfway through the show, and I know 
you've got a ton of stuff that you want to talk about. So shall we move on as I ask you, how was your week? Yeah, the best thing about your uh, report there was I managed, um, to eat an, I managed to eat an entire burrito while you were giving your report. I, I noticed Which that is, you had the mute symbol on. I was like, that dude, he he's probably guzzling a whole pint of water. In a, <laughs> I, I would not have guessed a burrito, but it is lunchtime. I haven't eaten lunch. And uh, all of a sudden I had lunch available to me and I'm like, well, he's going. I'll stop when he stops and literally just like i don't know a minute before you finished i i was finishing up and you know cleaning up moving dishes out of the way making sure everything was cool moving my props into place that you guys aren't going to see but i need here for to jog my you know my elon mind my sleep deprived brain yeah so i appreciate that that was beautiful I was succinct. I love the wrap up and uh, I love the chance to have my burrito. <laughs> All right. Well, Can we're going to work on a signal for work on a signal for future shows uh, <laughs> that. All right, John, I need you to wrap something up uh, so that we can uh, I can eat this burrito. I had. a. It was all beef. Just, you know, thinly sliced beef. Uh, but you know the side was corn, so I just sprinkled a little bit of the corn into it. Fabulous! And then I topped it off with uh, Taco Bell hot sauce, not fire sauce, hot sauce. And so it was good. Uh, beef cooked with uh, peppers and onions, but you don't—I didn't have the peppers and onions on it. Mixed some corn in it, so every you know, every bite you got a little bit of corn taste to it, and then Taco Bell hot sauce that wasn't so much it overwhelmed everything, just added a nice flavor to it. And then a corn tortilla, oh no, excuse me, flour tortilla, um, not cooked or anything, not fried. So I, I mean, guess I guess technically it was some kind of taco or something, but I called it a burrito. I liked it. <laughs> I'm discussing a. What are they called? You, you know what's good about telling me about about the mouth feel of your burrito is that uh, now I'm hungry. I don't even want a burrito. I'm I'm talking about the preparation and the ingredients involved. That's they they have things like that, you know, and some people trade them and they make books of them. And if I could remember the name of it, I right now I'd tell you. But I have a sleep-deprived brain, so you'll have to forgive me. Recipes? Yeah. I kept on wanting to go with formulas, but I knew that was wrong. Recipes, indeed. Recipes. Okay. So I want to start off with the headline news from yesterday. Kevin Smith gave me a hug yesterday. Oh. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. Kidding. I'm, I'm going to say that that sounds wonderful. But I, I was kind of because that dude uh, has lost a lot of weight, so he doesn't look like uh, Silent Bob anymore. 
Uh, I kind of want I kind of want a hug from like circa two thousand Kevin Smith. Well, the extra oh, here's a funny thing too. I also have lost a lot of weight, so I don't look like Daddy Warpick anymore. <laughs> hey, good for you though. But this this comes to a uh, this is actually a really germane observation. My picture that everybody knows me by that you see right now with the little rings bouncing around it is a lie now. It's been a lie for about the last six to eight months. Um, and this is germane because yesterday I went to a convention in Salt Lake City called Fanix, and I kept on throwing up tweets and then announcements about it so that I could go meet people who were also going to be at Fanex yesterday on Friday. Um, and universally, without fail, the very first thing people said to me after I said, Hi, I'm Daddy Warpig. And I have to say that now. Not hi, you know, I'm Jason. Um, and I can say that because I'm not anonymous. I'm pseudonymous, which means I use, you know, I use my handle a lot, but everybody can really find out my real name with very little effort. Because a lot of people follow me on Facebook where I have to go under my real name. It's not hard to dig up. Um, that, so I come out and say, but, but everybody knows me by my handle. Like literally I have one of my best friends in the world met me as daddy war pig. And so he calls me daddy war pig when he talks to me on the phone, when I go to play, <laughs> when I go to play in the Trilopolis campaign, there's somebody else named Jason. Who plays? So they don't call me Jason in the Trollopolis campaign. They call me Warpig. <laughs> so I'm alone off the internet. It's not a security thing. I'm known as Daddy Warpig <laughs> while we're playing AT&T <laughs> among the guys I know. So yes, I have birth a monster i am but but nobody calls you daddy or or they most don't anymore we, we usually just call you warpig usually just call me warpig that's what i encourage folks if you want to know you want to be casual just call me warpig that is the title warpig's the name hey you're um, due for rebranding but oh we're, we're super digressing you went you went to fanex and, and you had to tell tell people that you're warpig or Daddy Warpig. I did. So I had announced myself as Daddy Warpig. Is, is that how you introduced people... yourself to Kevin Smith? I didn't get a chance to like introduce myself. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, hey, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm Daddy Warpig. And it'd be, it'd be amazing if he just followed you on Twitter right then and there. But go ahead. Um, <laughs> so that's how I introduced myself to everybody who I... Everybody but Kevin Smith, who I met yesterday because... That's what they all know me as. And so if I introduce myself as Jason, they wouldn't give me the time of day. They have no idea who I am. 
if I had to introduce myself as Daddy Warpig, my real name means nothing to people. Nobody knows who I am. Well, this the, you, you could have gone a different way. You could have just <clears throat> you could have just said, uh, "Hello, pleased to meet you in person. My name is Jason, and this is Geek Gab." Yeah, that would have worked. That would work. Or howl it out so it's really loud. That wouldn't have been bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was almost as bad as what actually did happen. I have a vitamin I have to eat every morning. It's orange. So apparently I spent the entire morning meeting people who I've never met before in my entire life with my teeth stained orange and some orange on my lip. I found that out later. Man, that war pig guy really likes his Fanta, doesn't he? Yeah, that, that was embarrassing. Oh, boy. Man, can you imagine that, folks? Literally met people for the first time ever. You know. I, I met Larry Korea and Steve Diamond, who were on the show just like six weeks ago, seven, eight weeks ago. Uh, I met them yesterday. Uh, they were talking about their book, Servant of War, and I've wanted to get Larry's uh, Larry's autograph for a long time. And I uh, also Steve Diamond was there, and I wanted to get his autograph too. So uh, I had them autograph a copy of Servants of War for me. Um, and this wasn't the first time I've met Larry. I, I took a creative writing class from him uh, at a university close to here uh, with Jared Angie Weirden, who unfortunately couldn't be there on Friday, but he's somebody I would have looked up. And, you know, I'm talking with them for a bit and Steve can't even talk to me. He just can't break into conversation about something. All he can say is, oh, it's so great to meet you in person finally. And he's staring at me with this, he's not staring at my eyes. He's staring lower than my eyes. I didn't get why he couldn't like talk to me. And I met a brand new author I've never met before. He used to follow me on Twitter during the Sad Puppies days. Um, he seemed a little bit off. It's Christopher Ruocchio. And he kind of uh, agreed to come onto the show. We got a tentative agreement to come. Oh, yeah. I lined up like three guests while I was meeting people yesterday. Nice. Because uh, I'm awesome like that. <laughs> I'm always trying to pimp the show. I asked uh, several, I asked uh, people to come on the show while I was there. I'm meeting people I uh, haven't met ever, and I'm asking them, hey, you want to come on the show? I asked Steve if he wanted to come on the show. He's got a new book coming out in December, so he's got a tentative agreement to come on the show. I asked Christopher Ruocchio. He wanted to come on the show. He's got a book coming out in December. We got a tentative agreement for him to come on the show. They're looking at me kind of weird, and I didn't know why. And then I found out later, oh, yeah, had orange on my face, had orange on my teeth. You know when I smile? <laughs> when I smile, some people have toothy grins. Yeah. Guess who has a toothy grin? Oh. Yeah. I'm meeting you, people. And then you look like one of those. Uh, kids that just sticks the orange slice in his mouth. Yeah, thinks it's funny. Awful, and it uh, it, it it's a perfect movie moment, right? You know, the guy the movie's making fun of, and he's there grinning, and his teeth are all orange, and they're you know, he thinks he's being all cool and stuff. Fortunately, I had a chance to clean my teeth before I got a photograph with Kevin Smith. 
uh, not just Kevin Smith, the entire um, Clerks gang. I got a photograph of the entire Clerks gang uh, with Randall, with Dante, with uh, Silent Bob, and with Jay. All four of them. Um, and this is normal part where I pop up a picture of the photograph. Unfortunately, it's with me and two of my sisters and my brother. And so I don't want to put my family up in public like that. Um, so how I got into the convention is my two sisters have this business of theirs. And literally they they go to this convention every year and they would spend hundreds of dollars to be able to take photographs and maybe talk to some of the celebrities um and they have celebrities who come back to this convention because it's such a great they have such a great experience meeting the fans it's called fanex they had 150,000 people this year in salt lake city um it's always a huge turnout. They're the best fans uh, anywhere. They're very, very nice people who are always very enthusiastic. They treat the, uh, you know, treat the celebrities well. They have great questions they ask them. And so the celebrities love coming back. So, um, you know, my sisters, they go back and get photographs with the same celebrities a year later. Uh, and they, they, rem they remember them. Like uh, Zach from Chuck, um, who played Chuck, right? He also played one of the Warriors 3. He played Shazam in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, he remembers my sisters uh, when they come up and, and talk to him again. Um, just because he remembered her, she played uh, Virat Beauregard from the original... Um, Oh, why can't I remember the movie? Suddenly my memory fails. I'm doing so good on details. Vyra Bogart, she got big and green. She grew up, she blew up like a blueberry. Um, in the Charlie... Veruca Salt. Well, yeah, Veruca Salt was another character. Uh, she's oh. the one who fell down in the... Uh, well, I don't remember the other character. ...shoots and got into the... No, her name really is Vyra Bogart. I can't remember the name of the movie. It's got Gene Wilder in it. Willy Wonka um, the Chocolate Factory. Yes, Willy Wonka. Um, so that's her, her cosplay costume for that year was the big blue, blue blurry. And he just remembers her. So she, you know, when he comes to the convention, he now remembers her. And that's cool. That's great for them. So, but this was costing them a lot of money. And they didn't have a way to get a lot of money every year. So they literally started this business as a way to pay for them <laughs> to get all these photo ops and, you know, pay for tickets to the convention and get into other places and, and get autographs and stuff for these celebrities. Well, this year, Kevin Smith doesn't do conventions usually the last time he's done a convention was eight years ago and he never takes pictures with people at conventions because you're standing there for a long time 
and you've got all these people coming in and coming out that you have to, you know, put up with and you rush them in and rush them out. It's a pain in the rear. And yes, you're making money off of it, but it's not like he needs the money, you know. So this is literally a once in a lifetime experience. Never does conventions. First time in eight years. And has, at least not for, you know, in a generation, done photographs at conventions. But he was doing photographs at this convention, one night only, three sessions, two solo, one with the clerks crew, because Clerks 3 just came out a week ago. So, for the first time in over 20 years, yesterday, you could get in to see Kevin Smith and have a picture with him. And I knew nothing of this. I had no idea it was happening. I had no idea it was coming to this convention. I was only peripherally aware that this convention was even happening this weekend. So, last week, my sister messages me on Facebook and says, hey, you want to come to Fanex and get a picture with Kevin Smith? And I know nothing of this. I have no idea Kevin Smith doesn't do conventions. I have no idea that Kevin Smith never takes photos of people. And I'm just thinking, do I really want to go and spend an entire Friday hanging around a convention? I mean, what the hell am I going to do with myself? For... And then just wait after until they pack up their booth and stuff. Sure, I might as well go. I'll go. Sure, why not? What the hell? You know, kind of want to go back in time and smack myself across the head. <laughs> no, no, those are the best things. Those are the best <laughs> memories. You just, oh yeah, sure, you know, I'll, I'll go, I'll just go check this out. So, And it becomes amazing. Yeah, literally, I had, you know, five or six once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And I do want to tell you about the other ones before we get off the air. So we're going to go a little bit long here because I've really had so many great experiences at this show. Um, and they really were legendary, folks. I had such a good day, and I want to share them with you. I, I want to bring you into my excitement. Um, and I'm sorry you couldn't be there. And it wasn't just because of Hollywood people. It's because I got to meet people who I've known for a long time, like eight years, literally eight years through the Internet. And I know that parasocial relationships, I really do. But I guess I'm a sucker. You know, I really guess I'm a sucker because I genuinely care about people who I've met through the Internet, who I know through the Internet. And I would genuinely help people if I could that I've met through the Internet. Um, so it really is to me, these parasocial relationships, uh, are stronger for me. Um, they're not just, you know, meaningless relationships to me. And I got to finally meet them in person. Um, and some of the conversations were get, uh, great. Some of them were a little bit, you know, a little bit awkward, but I put effort into them. 
I put effort into the conversations. I tried to drag out things we could talk about. And it was so great, you know, getting to tell these authors for real, people that I've boosted, people that I've retweeted. You know, I got to tell them, look, man, uh, I haven't read all your books because I've got so much stuff I've, you know, I've got to read. But I bought all of this series of yours. I bought all of this series of yours. And this one book here, I genuinely haven't been able to read and it hurts because it sounds so awesome and I wanted to read it, but I can't. And literally, and this is not a, you know, this is not made up. This is the actual conversation I had with an author. And all of the concepts to your books sound awesome. And I wanted to read them and I haven't been able to. So, you know. It's awesome. I think you ought to, you know, I'm, I'm fully behind you continuing writing. And uh, actually, everybody I could stop at, I got to meet so many people whose art and whose uh, pictures and whose books that I've seen over the unit and tell them I've seen your stuff. And even if I haven't got to enjoy it as fully as I'd like, especially for authors, um, it's great. I'm so great I've gotten to follow you. I'm so great, so grateful you followed me and your stuff is awesome. And I finally get to tell you face to face. I don't just, you know, retreat you out of a sense of out of a sense of duty or, you know, whatever, just because I really like your stuff. And if I had more time and a more opportunity, I would read it more. But uh, I believe in it. And, uh, you know, I think you're going to do good stuff. I think you're going to do great things. A uh, little bit easier with, with artists because it's not quite the same time commitment as books. Um, and then, uh, as I said in my announcements for the show, uh, artists, authors, and movie people. I get a chance to talk to movie people direct. Um, because, you know, they're movie people. They have a million different people coming up and tell them how author, how awesome they are. The only movie person I got to talk to direct was Kevin Smith. So let's get back on that. So my sister had an extra ticket to go get a photo with Kevin Smith. She had to stay up till midnight fighting the crowds to even get this opportunity to pay the money to go see Kevin Smith, to get a photo with him. And then uh, all the people who got this are selling them for like five times the price they paid. And my other sister, because that's two sisters who have this business, they set up this business to make enough money to pay for the tickets, to pay for the photo ops. Um, they, you know, one of them says to the other, do you, do you want to sell this photo chance for like five times what we paid for? And she's like, no, I want to get a photo with Kevin Smith. So she had this, this photo opportunity was for up to four people and she paid for four people and she hadn't, she had plenty of people who wanted to go, but she thought of me. 
because she knew I liked Kevin Smith movies. And none of them have seen Kevin Smith movies. And they had seen Kevin Smith movies. They probably had hate him. But she knew I liked Kevin Smith movies. So she saved one of these four tickets and asked me if I wanted to go get a photo with Kevin Smith. So I want to tell you that yesterday I was an official employee of the business. And I helped with the business very, very much. Officially speaking, in an official role at the con, they had their business there and were selling stuff. And I was in good employee and was employed at the business. Wink, wink. So Nice. <laughs> that's how they afforded to get me into the show. And that's, uh, that's why I was there at the con. Uh, and so I want to give a big shout out to my sisters, who I love dearly. I'm the oldest of a big family, and my sisters love me very, very much. Uh, I'm very fortunate in my family. There's a lot of us, and uh, all of us love each other. We don't have any of those awkward, strained relationships where nobody's talking to anybody. Uh, we all love each other and we all get along. Um, I mean, not necessarily close, but we love each other and we help each other out. And we're, uh, we have a couple of holidays a year where we get together and, uh, and spend time together as a family and talk and, you know, share our lives. And so I have been very, very fortunate that, we have a family who's imperfect. We're not, you know, we're not the perfect, happy family, but we care very much about each other. And so I had been very, very fortunate with the family I was born into, with the parents I uh, was given, with the siblings I was given. So very can't really beat that. that. Can't really beat that. Um, so that that is my sisters. If you ever anybody ever wonders. What my family is like, my sister spent uh, hundreds of dollars uh, to buy a four tickets to see Kevin Smith to get a photo with the clerk's crew. And she opened up the slot for me and just gave it to me. She didn't ask for me to pay for it because she knew I can't. She just gave me one of the four tickets that was, you know, worth like 75 bucks. She just said, hey, come in, get in a photo. So in the con, they rush you through. You just have to get in, take your photo, get out. Um, so I walk in the room. Kevin Smith is standing right there. He says, hey, holds out his arm, pulls me in, gives me a hug. I shake his hand. We turn right around. Get us in place. Um, they take the photo immediately. You know, the guys are there. I turn around. I say to Kevin Smith, I said, Kevin Smith, I've loved so many of your movies. You know, I'm shaking his hand. I said, Clerks, Mall Rats, Chasing Amy's, because that's the, you know, that's the era of Kevin Smith movies where I really watched them. I haven't watched much after that. Um, so from Clerks 2 on, I haven't watched any of the Kevin Smith movies. 
Uh, and I just said, thank you. And then I turned around, walked away. Cause that's all I could say. Cause people were coming in. It was time for them to turn around and, and, uh, take the next photo. It was once in a lifetime experience. I have a photograph of me and the clerks game. And in 1991, 1993, I think 1994, I can't remember. It might be this late as 1995. Uh, you know, we got the clerks was becoming a phenomenon word of mouth. My friend said, Hey, you got to watch this movie because he'd gone to college and come back. He says, You got to watch this movie. It is so funny. It is so funny. It's the funniest thing you ever see. Watch clerks, loved it. You know, so I was on board with Kevin Smith when Mallrats came out. Watch Mallrats, love it. Watch Chasing Amy. You know, I really wasn't down with all the stuff. You know, some of the jokes too far for me. Innocent boy. You know, innocent LDS. Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints boy. So some of the jokes are like, ah, cringe. But yeah. That wasn't all. They have these panel discussions uh, in this ballroom, massive ballroom. Or you can go in and sit down. Uh, I went to three of them that day, and every single one of them was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Not kidding. And every single one of them was great. Spend an hour in there about with, uh, this is where I got the Hollywood people from. Last one, late at night, 8 to 9 p.m. at night. After three sessions of taking photos, Guess who it is up on stage? Kevin Smith. I'm not going to make you guess. Kevin Smith does an hour question and answer up on stage after standing for photos for three hours. And he's on peppy. Let's go get on an airplane. Just, you know, like half an hour, an hour after that. Fly back to do other work. He was Tough amazing. Yeah, you've seen those videos on YouTube where everybody passes them around. Hey, here's the spider story. Here's the spider story. It's awesome. It's just like that. Just like that. People would get up, ask him questions. He'd go off on these stories. He'd go off on digressions. Digressions were funny stories. He was on. It was amazing. person ahead of me to the right was filming it, so I don't know if they're going to put it on YouTube or something or in their podcast or something. Fanex, Salt Lake City 2022. If it ever goes up, you should watch it. I was there. I got to see it live. I got some photos of it. I'll put them up on Twitter some point. I mean, like some point in the next day or two. Um, awesome. Amazing. He told these big, long stories in response to questions. They were interesting. They were funny. He told these awesome, heartwarming stories about his daughter getting into uh, Once Upon a Time on Hollywood. She got. She just went in. Did the same uh, audition process everybody else does with Quentin Tarantino. She got cast as one of, I think she was one of Manson's, one of the Manson family. It's Kevin Smith's daughter. She got it legit. He did not pull any strings for her. Uh, and then she went and got a, you know, got cast in one of his movies. Um, so she was legit before she got cast in one of his movies. Exactly the opposite of Will Smith's kid. Um, 
Pull all these other stories. I'm not going to take time to relate it because we really are. Uh, I want to get on to the other ones. So the the first one I saw, so that was the last one. That capped off the day. That was the last part of the day. After that, we walked out. My sisters were cleaning up, and, and we went home. But the first panel of the day, uh, I got to see uh, after walking around meeting all my author friends, um, was Carrie Elwes. All right. Who was there as a guest of the con, I think for the third time, Wesley from The Princess Bride. Freaking there at the con. I got to sit in a panel discussion. Uh, he, the moderator asked him a couple of questions. He had great stories about um, being on The Princess Bride set, but also writing his book that, that came out like earlier this year about the, about you know, making the Princess Bride movie, because everybody always asks him questions about that. And, uh, you know, his his other career and things like that. Because um, I did. I wanted to hear about his other career, and people got up and asked him questions, and, and that was awesome, too. So, you know, I was sitting there on in the audience watching him live. Once-in-a-lifetime experience, probably. Um, can't imagine I'll ever be uh, seeing him in person ever again. Uh, he was funny. He did things a little different from Kevin Smith. He gave short stories as answers. Every one of them was different. He didn't ramble. Uh, and Kevin Smith didn't ramble either. He had big stories that were funny. And then he had digressions that got tacked on that were funny. So he didn't waste your time. Carrie Ellis had short stories and didn't go into big digressions. They were funny and, and on point. Uh, and every time someone asked a question, he ended his answer with, thank you for your question. Very kind. Um, so, and Kevin Smith, every time he finished answering a question, what he said was, did I answer your question? Because he did go off into digressions every time. And he just wanted to make sure that he had gotten back around in his digressions to answering the guy's question, which was cool. Um, so that was the first panel day. Got to get in, got to sit there with Carrie Elwes. Me and like, you know, I think 5,000 people could fit in this ballroom. Um, so the middle panel, the middle panel was the cast of Cobra Kai. So it was, you know, Hawk and the girl who turned out to be, uh, Danny LaRusso's daughter, um, the the guy who's been in all four dojos now, um, the mo the most popular kid, the good looking kid from the first season who was there, um, and another guy I I really didn't know because I haven't seen all the seasons except the first one when it was on YouTube. Fine, I'll I'll move Cobra Kai's on my want to watch list and I'll move it up. They asked the, the four kids, that's not all who was there, they asked the four kids, what was your favorite season? They all said second season, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch it now, okay? I'll go see the second season. I'm sorry, I haven't seen it. Everybody says it's great. Apparently, they just, oh, William Zabka was there. William Zabka was on stage, so I got to see him. Can't imagine I'll ever see him ever again, live, in person. Opportunity of a lifetime, number three, right there on stage. Got to see him. 
Um, and that was great. He was funny. He was making jokes, cracking jokes during the answers or, or as an answer. They were always funny. So great to see him. Uh, the other cast members actually did really good. And they're weirded out because they come into the auditorium and everybody applauds. And we had like a 65%, 55% standing ovation for the cast. Um, and they're talking about how this is brand new to them. And they're really weirded out by this Be, uh, just because they're brand new to it. This is the first time they've ever been, you know, stars is on this show. Cause it's the first show some of them have ever been cast in. Um, in fact, I think all four of them, this is the first time they've ever been cast in something where they're, you know, legit treated to uh, big applause. Um, William Zabka says, you know, after the Karate Kid, the only people who were fans was his mom. That's he had one, one fan after the Karate Kid because everybody hated him. But after doing Cobra Kai, you know, all of a sudden he has, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of fans. So that's been nice for him. He's used to it. Uh, but these other, the other guys haven't been gotten quite used to it yet. Uh, and the other guy was there was the new villain from season five, who I didn't know. I'm like, carrying Rob Kreesaw. Where's his going? And they've got this new guy. Who the hell is this new guy? Oh, okay, okay. I haven't seen Karate Kid 3. He's from Karate Kid 3. I'm like, oh, that's why. I haven't seen Karate Kid 3 and 4. So I didn't know him from anybody. So apparently I have to go watch Karate Kid 3 and 4 now to my back. So uh, for this show, I may have to go watch uh, the Karate Kids again and uh, go watch Cobra Kai. Who knew? Um, so that's a kind of maybe pledge for me to go watch those in the future. But so yesterday, those were three once-in-a-lifetime events I got into because my sisters invited me to this con, um, and it was awesome. So that's the Hollywood people. And the authors I got to meet were Jay Berenson, uh, who I had met originally eight years ago at the uh, Sad Puppies meetup we had here in Utah. Um, at a mansion I coincidentally got access to because of another sister, a different sister than these two sisters I'm talking about. She had access to a mansion um, uh, because she's married to a millionaire. <laughs> I've got a great family. <laughs> I've got a killer family. Um, and uh, so that we held a, we held this sad puppies meetup. We had like 40, 50 people uh, at a mansion. Because, you know, my sister could let us hold it at a mansion. Uh, the rest of my family is, you know, lower middle class. She married a millionaire. They've got a mansion. Uh, and uh, um, so I met him again after eight years. And he stared at me. Oh, yeah. My photo is a lie. I wanted to get into that because it's a Kevin Smith lock-in. Kevin Smith tie-in, sorry. Um, I am now the anti-daddy war pick. Like, if Daddy Warpig, I don't know if Daddy Warpig is the evil cousin or if I'm or evil doppelganger, if I'm the evil doppelganger, but Daddy Warpig has that big beard and he has the, you know, full face. 
uh, I have now lost several hundred pounds um, and I no longer have the beard. So I'm clean shaven and I am thin. And all the people in the Trilopolis campaign can attest to this because they get to see me every week. Um, I am just as thin as Kevin Smith had looked, right? When he lost all his weight, that's how thin I look uh, in comparison. Just, you know, relative comparisons to how, how weighty we've been. When you lose several hundred pounds, you notice it in the face. Um, so not only am I walking up to these people and saying, hi, I'm Daddy Warpig. I'm saying, hi, I'm Daddy Warpig, and I look like I'm lying. I look like I am the biggest, and I take this term, use this term advisedly, I look like I'm the biggest, fattest liar on the planet. Only I'm not fat. And people are like staring at me like, you're Daddy Warpig? So one of, uh, one of the authors I met yesterday was David J. West, who's been on the show uh, a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Writes under James Alderdice. Yeah, David had uh, had extracted a promise from me a couple of years ago because uh, my brother went to Fanex and he was also there yesterday. Uh, he was legit working the booth. <laughs> the only thing he did yesterday was get off from the the only time he wasn't working the booth. He came with me to the Kevin Smith panel. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, because I had, he, he he extracted this promise because he thought I went to Fanex. I was just trying to find, you know, my brother uh, wanted to hook up with David J. West and, and check out his books and stuff because he listens to the show. Uh, my family, so they legit listen to my show. How's that for family, folks? Um, sorry, this turned into the War Pig family hour. I just, you know, whatever. Um so I was just asking for directions, and David was hurt. He was like, hey, I, uh, you know, if you ever came to Fanex, I wanted to meet up. I'm like, no, 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 I didn't go to Fanex. It was just my brother. It's cool. You know, we're all good. Uh, so, but, but he made me promise, you know, if I ever went to Fanex, I'd, I'd meet up with him. So, you know, I promised, and then I, I said, hey, you know, where are you? I, I want to come by. He says, here. I said, okay, I will come by. and." Uh, but I'm going to go eat lunch now. And after I eat lunch, I'll, I'll stop by. So he was scrutinizing everyone who passed by his booth who had a big burly beard. Because <laughs> that's what he thought I looked like. That's amazing. I show up his booth. And I recognize David immediately. Because I've seen real pictures of David. And I know he's bald, clean shaven on the head. He's got, you know, a little, I don't know if it's technically a Van Dyke or a spade, but, you know, neat little mustache, neat little shaved beard. I'll walk up to him, hold up my son, says, hi, Daddy Warpig, Jason, how are you? And he looks at me. Really? So, yeah, I'm Daddy Warpig. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do I have to introduce myself with a fake name, I have to reassure other people 
that it's really my fake name. Yes, I'm really the fake name person. I need to get fake ID under my fake name so people know it's the real fake name. I'm the real person who really uses my fake name. It's horrible. I can never use my real name in public again. Oh, well. Oh, I'm not kidding. I, st I started using Daddy Warpig because I got sick of my Xbox Live handle. And it cost 20 bucks to change your handle. And I was poor, literally destitute. I was living in my parents' house because I just lost my job. And I wanted to change my Xbox Live name. And at that time, I was living off of $200 a month. Plus, my parents gave me room and board. I was deathly ill. I was so sick, you could not believe it. Um, this is how sick I was. I was sleeping 20 hours a day because my body had fallen apart. Okay, so I was sick. I was sick and sick. I could not do anything except wake up to eat and and take a shower and fall back asleep again. My body was putting itself back together. It was it was bad. It was terrible. My doctors could do nothing. They were appalled. They were sick at what had happened to what I had done to my body to get it that exhausted. And so $200 a month, if you're going to spend $20, you had better make damn sure you were sure what you were doing. And at the time, the only thing I could barely do was play video games. I was so exhausted I couldn't watch TV because I couldn't process it, okay? So I took two days to think about it. And I was playing Call of Duty 1, and there's a level in Call of Duty 1 called war pig and there's a tank in war pig that's the m1 abrams tank my dad was in the army he was a tanker we were in germany and his unit was one of the first to receive m1 abrams tanks when they came out for the very first time they were being released they got given to his unit in germany so I had an emotional connection to the M1 Abrams tank, and I wanted to name myself Warpig, so I named it Daddy Warpig, because one of the things I did, we were in Germany for eight years, one of the things we saw was the Little Orphan Annie movie, and a character in the Little Orphan Annie movie was Daddy Warbucks, right? Daddy Warbucks. And so I named that Daddy Warpig. Simple as that. It's a gamer callback to the Abrams tank because of my dad, and it's a callback to Daddy Warbucks and Little Orphan Annie. It's also a callback uh, to, you know, the song War Pigs by Black Sabbath. That's it. That's what Daddy Warpig is. And I picked it for my Xbox Live gamer tag. I spent 20 bucks on it. And I changed my names and I just used it on every platform because I liked the name and I wanted to keep it. 
and I picked up the picture from a failed Kickstarter that might actually be coming true. I just got a message last week, might actually be coming true, might actually actually get it after 15 years of being a failed Kickstarter. So looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> and I did not realize, I did not realize that this name that I picked after two days of thinking about it, or really one night overnight next day, right? One day, 24 hours of thinking about it, I did not realize that in the mouths of everyone I met from then on, it was going to replace my real name. No idea. How would I know that? How would that even occur to me? I didn't have an angel sitting on my shoulder saying, you know, this is what you're going to be known as until the day you die. You're going to live to be 100 years old. And for 60 years of that, you're going to be known as Daddy Warpig. I hope you like this name, son. <laughs> so, no, I, I didn't know that. So I got a couple more things I want to talk about. There were a few pictures I saw yesterday. I was walking around Artist Row, and uh, they were just touched my soul. Uh, and I'm not kidding. They were great concept art. Beautiful, beautiful concept art. So one of them I bought a little card of, uh, and I kind of tried to extract a promise I could download it in digital so I could get just use it as uh, concept art for the, uh, and this is the artist portion of our show, so I can end real quick. Uh, uh, so I, it's from a cosplayer, and I got a photo with her. Um, I don't know if I'm going to put that up or not. Um, and then I, I bought a, bought another piece uh, that's great, and they promised me I could get a digital copy of this if I sent an email. And I told them it was perfect. It was gorgeous. I was going to use it. So if I get a digital copy from them, I just have to send them an email. I told them I'm going to use it for the project. And the lady was so excited. She's like, that's my sister. And she would be thrilled to know you're going to use it as a reference work for your project. And I was like, sure, I'll send you an email. Um, and uh, I'm having to be real closed mouth uh, about it because I don't want to leak any details. Uh, I told way too many details about the project yesterday to somebody. Uh, so many details, it was, you know, their eyes are glazing over. And I'm like, oh, I'm that guy. I hate being that guy. Um, I'm going to tell you this little story because it's freaking hilarious. I was uh, heading around. I kept on going back to the booth where Larry uh, and Christopher Rocio and uh, Steve Diamond were. Because I can call him Larry. Uh, but I have to call it Steve Diamond, Steve Diamond. I have to call Christopher Rocio, you know, Mr. Rocio, because I don't know them. Uh, but I can call Larry Larry. Isn't that great? Because <laughs> Larry knows who I am. <laughs> That's not name dropping. That's one of the great moments from yesterday. Um, so I wanted to see Dan Wells and, like, get an autograph or something. Um, 
And Brandon Sanderson was doing this big signing, and it was the second big signing of the day. Um, I walk up to his booth. There's like four people standing at his booth. I'm figuring, oh, it's late. You know, he's done all his big signings for yesterday. So I walk up to this booth, and one of his uh, booth ladies is there. And she's like, can I help you? I said, oh, you certainly can. I started asking her about buying, uh, like, one of his boots that's there. So I want to, you know, I want to get it so he can autograph it. And, you know, I'm asking about, you know, is he, does he have paperback? How can I pay for it? Because it's been a hard day. I'm kind of completely out of money. I mean, like, literally down to, like, eight bucks in my checking account. And I have six bucks in cash on me. I'm like, can I pay for it with, with these can I use both of them? She's like, oh, you can go over here and buy it and stuff. And I'm like, I really want to get it um, autographed, though. Can I get it autographed? And she's like, well, look at this line. And then she points completely off to the wall where this line is that starts behind me on the wall that I haven't even noticed and goes all the way down the wall to a corner and all the way down out of sight behind booths <laughs> and she's like yeah there's a 45 minute wait to get into the booth not for people 45 minutes and she pulls out this little card and she says but you can give this little card it's got brandon sanderson's signature and dan wells's signature on it so you don't have to wait 45 minutes in line and at this point, it is, you know, literally 20 minutes to the time where I have to get in line to get a seat in the Kevin Smith program, right? I have to get there in 20 minutes or I'm never getting there to get in to see Kevin Smith. So I'm like, ma'am, thank you for this card. You're a wonderful human being. I hope you and your descendants are wealthy beyond their wildest dreams unto the 70th generation i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> so i got a brandon sanderson autograph and a dan wells autograph and it's on this little business card and i actually got to say hi to brandon and he couldn't hear me over the crowd and over the air conditioner so he has no idea i said hi to him he oh. won't remember me ever in the future and if i ever meet him again at one of these author things I'll say, hi, we met before. And he'll say, no, we, we really did. And I say, I really did. He says, well, I don't remember you. And I say, I know. I know. Like Larry doesn't remember the first time we met. And uh, I do because I shot a 50 caliber Barrett sniper rifle for the very first time. And he was the range master. So he was the one, you know, leaning over me saying, okay, do this, do that. Be careful. Here's the ear earmuffs so you don't deafen yourself permanently. You know, so you can hear the soft. Um, mewlings of your newborn when they come, you know, you, you trust me, you want to do this. Um, so I met Mike Chrome. Mike Chrome is a great artist, beautiful work. I've admired his work on the internet for a long time. Uh, probably once in a lifetime event getting to meet him. Unfortunately, I met him on the second day of the con and he was sold out of the cheap cards that you can get autographed, the small cards. And so I couldn't buy those. And all he had was big expensive prints that I couldn't afford because I had bought other things earlier that I wanted. Um, so I said, sir, 
I love your work. You do fantabulous work. I am so grateful. And all these people I saw, uh, even if it was artists I didn't know, the ones that I just loved, I stopped by and I said, hey, this is fantastic work. I'm just going to call one of them out. Uh, Anadia Chan. Um, uh, she, I just loved her pictures and stuff. And I just stopped by the, uh, stopped by her booth, pointed to some of her. I said, ma'am, this is absolutely beautiful. If I had more money today, I would, I would actually want to buy one of your prints because they're gorgeous. Um, and what I did buy, uh, was Jamie Tyndall, who does fabulous art. He had an autograph. All his autograph stuff was sold because he wasn't there. Um, he had his a booth lady there, though, that was said, selling autograph stuff. All of it had sold out the day before, except like six things. It was all gone. All gone the first day of the con. So because I love Jamie Tyndall's artwork, and because I have wanted to get something of his that was autographed, I bought a Jamie Tyndall autographed work, and it was the last of six things. They had nothing, nothing left. So legendarily, once-in-a-lifetime experience for me because I doubt I will ever meet Jamie Tyndall. Um, but he's a superb artist. And I may have even uh, complained on the show how hard it is to find his art online. It's just impossible to find his art, or at least it was when I was doing searches for him. It was hard, it, nearly impossible to find his art in any kind of reasonable quality. All his art you can find is like 600 or 640 times 640 or, you know, 700 times... 500, whatever. It's teeny tiny. And it's usually in pretty poor, heavily compressed JPEGs. Awful. They're terribly hard to find. Um, and so, you know, I didn't... What uh, was broke? Uh, obviously, if I'm down to eight bucks at the end of the day, you can see how broke I was. Um, but I, I did find... Uh, a couple of pieces that I wanted to collect. I got an autograph from Larry Korea and Steve Diamond. I got an autograph from Jamie Tyndall. Um, and uh, I got to meet some artists whose work I've loved for a long time. Um, and I got to see Carrie Ellis. I got to see Steve Zapka. Uh, Got a hug from Kevin Smith. Got to see him live in a panel discussion. So all those YouTube videos I've watched of him telling his spider story and stuff. He didn't tell that story again. I got to hear all new stuff. I literally watched him on YouTube telling those stories. He didn't tell those stories. He told brand new stories. He told crap I'd never heard. So he wasn't just replaying old stuff. All new stuff. That's why I suggest if you watch those YouTube videos, you like hearing Kevin Smith, he told all new stuff. If they put this online, whoever was recording it, it's all new stuff. And I know Kevin Smith, you, you can meme on him for like, oh, he cries all the time. Didn't cry once in uh, 
I, and I have a 30-second clip I put up uh, on YouTube uh, last night. Or, or on, uh, not YouTube, on uh, my Twitter account last night. Uh, let me put that up on Facebook and uh, uh, maybe MeWe. I've got some other social media accounts that me put that up on. But uh, it's taken from my phone, just 30 seconds, uh, right at the beginning when he first came out, just to show people, yes, I was really there. I was really there. I saw this crap live. Salt Lake City, you know, Fanex, I was there. I saw it live. I've got some photos of William Zabka and uh, photos of Terry Elwes. I was literally really there. Got photos of uh, cosplayers. And, you know, when you're walking along, you say, hey, can I take a photo of you guys? You look great. People, awesome people, they pose. They have their poses down. They will stay in their pose for you. Got a Supergirl, got, uh, you know, we're in the line for the Kevin Smith. So you got all these people uh, dressed up as cosplayers. We had the uh, happy, cool Jesus from uh, Dogma there. So I had to get a picture of the cool Jesus guy. And he had the, he had the pose down. It was awesome. You know, I passed by people with awesome T-shirts. And I just stopped by and said, dude, uh, one guy had a Purple Rain T-shirt. I got up, I walked over. I said, dude, Purple Rain is greatest album. I love it. I love your T-shirt. And walk away, you know, just give him a compliment. Complimented so many people yesterday. Uh, I have to say, this is the first time I've really gotten out into a big event since 2013. Me and uh, John went to Penny Arcade. Penny Arcade Expo. What's the real name of that? Uh, Penny Arcade Expo called PAX. PAX. I think they call it go. PAX Prime now. Yeah. But we went to it when it's still just PAX, right? Yeah. Awesome. 2013. Such a fun trip. Uh, I'd never done a road trip to a con before. So 2013 was my first road trip to a con. Probably the only one I'll ever do in my life. So that was a once-in-a-lifetime experience too. Great. So... Yeah, I'm not kidding when I say yesterday was chock full of once-in-a-lifetime experiences. It literally was. Met artists that I'll probably never meet again, but I got a chance to tell them how much I had loved their work because I got it while I was doing all my, you know, last week we talked about concept art, how I've been searching up all these pictures and stuff. I met artists whose concept art I literally have in my project file. People whose concept art I had literally found on the internet when I'm searching for stuff for my project. And I found some more pieces yesterday that were so awesome. I had to ask for people and buy little things from their booth to say, hey, I want to get a digital copy of this so I can use it as concept art in my project. People were, you know, this one lady just went nuts. She thought, oh, that is so awesome. That's a photo of my sister we did for this. And she'll be so, she'll feel, she feels so amazed that you're doing that. I'm just like, wow. Someone is literally just, you know, and I explained, we're, no, we're not using this in the final product. It's, it's not going to be in public everywhere. I'm just putting it in my folder to use as, and she says, you're using it as reference. I'm like, yeah, that's close enough. Um, so, you know, I, I couldn't believe how excited and how enthused she was that I wanted it for just use in my project. It was, you know, it was touching. It was amazing uh, seeing how excited they were that I, that I loved their stuff that much um you know and uh i got to see a whole lot of other cool things on the floor but this was this was awesome for me to just get to stop by an artist booth and tell the artist your stuff is so amazing it is great so you know and all of them just seemed to they just seemed to glow they just seemed to smile at having someone pass by the booth and tell them how how amazing their stuff is because i just saw it when i was passing by or how 
amazing I'd found their stuff because I'd seen it on the internet. Um, and I got to talk to author people I'd known for eight years uh, and uh, friends of theirs who had heard about me. And they're like, oh, is that Daddy Wardpig? Uh, and uh, so, yeah, once in a lifetime experiences, six of them, seven of them yesterday. I had a great con. I uh, wasn't able to go back to today. Um, I literally thought about doing the show from the con, but uh, I only had eight bucks. I couldn't go back to the con because I actually needed more cash money to go back to the con. And I just, I had no stomach to ask anybody for money to go back. Uh, and I just do not have the cash. So, but yesterday, I don't, I can't imagine I would be doing anything at the con today that could equal what happened yesterday. So it would just be a, a disappointment after yesterday. Yesterday was uh, an absolute high. And with that, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening for the last, you know, 40 minutes or so to, uh, hey. to my con report. Uh, hey, I, thanks for the con report, man. Uh, we are running late, so I'll, I'm just going to leave it there. But thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing. It sounds like you had a an amazing once-in-a-lifetime kind of uh, event. This is the sort of thing that these cons are for, really. And um, uh, it was great to hear your stories. Um, I'm not going to say anything else, but uh, thanks for everybody in the chat for hanging out. It sounds like they enjoyed the stories. And I hope everybody listening later uh, also uh, got that. And if anybody's in Salt Lake area this weekend, the Fan X is going on for the rest of the weekend. I checked out the guest list one day only Saturday. Vincent D'Onofrio is there. So uh, if, if I were in Salt Lake, I think I'd pick today to go. Oh, today is the last day. Oh, my mistake. Today's the last day. Um. So you probably missed it, but uh, <laughs> Warpig didn't, and he gave you all the good stuff. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, once again, call back to the beginning of the show. Uh, check out Joy of Wargaming if you if you enjoy uh, the Bro SR Roven Loft, Loft happenings. Really cool stuff. Um, and uh, I hope you really enjoyed uh, Daddy Warpig leaving us with the deep lore. Uh, even I, even I did not know or did not remember the full story on the the provenance of the name Daddy Warpig. Uh, so that was a special <laughs> treat. Um, uh, thanks for being in an amazing show host. I'm signing off for this week, Daddy Warpig. Once again, the floor is yours. I just want to thank everybody for coming and uh, listening live, participating in the chat again. And uh, to everybody who listened later, we're available on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. That is YouTube.com slash geek gab we're here just about every saturday 2 p.m eastern 11 a.m pacific uh or you can subscribe to us on youtube you can also subscribe to us on uh the google play store on soundcloud.com and on the apple itunes store so you can download us to the device of your choice listen to us on the web uh download us to your pc we are available all these places for your convenience folks uh we are signing off for today, but don't you worry, don't you fret, we will be back.